Good morning. It is good to be with you here at the Winchester Congregation. Throughout the years, I've continually heard so much good about you, who you are, your work in the kingdom, and it is really an honor to be with you today. Last night, we enjoyed a wonderful reception at the Walker's home. Uh, of course, there was warm hospitality made for a wonderful, wonderful evening, and several of you were there, and uh, we're thankful for that good evening. We also uh, enjoyed uh, supper before that at the Huffman's, and that was a delightful time also. I love hearing of uh, good, strong congregations that when you talk to the ministers, they love being there, and when you talk to the church family, they love the ministers being there. And I'm, I'm excited for Josh and for Alex, and uh, for Joseph and, and Alex, and for the, the great work that they are doing here. And I'm thankful for you as a congregation, uh, for the way that you embrace them, and, uh, and the good that comes forth from that for the kingdom's sake. Uh, we're thankful to be with you today. Uh, we have several here from the Freed Hardeman family, if you will, that is a part of the trek. And so I, I, I want to do this just so you will know who they are, so that if you have questions and you've been thinking, I want to ask somebody about this, we have individuals here from uh, advancement. We have individuals from admissions. Uh, we have some that are students here. And, uh, and so I'm going to ask you, if you're with our Freed Hardeman uh, Trek team this morning, if you will, please stand so the individuals will see you and know who you are. If you will, please stand at this time. Okay, and there, there's a few more setting up outside, and uh, there you go. There's Milton, and, and so uh, we're, we're glad to be there. There's two more walking in right now. <laughs> Good deal. All right, and so uh, afterwards, you will see what we call the MIC, Mobile Information Center, set up outside and, and to your left. And uh, we hope that you'll stop by uh, whenever it's convenient for you. Our desire is just to connect with you. And uh, to be able to do that, we've learned that if you can put a smile on people's face, they tend to connect a little better. And so uh, we found one way to put a smile on people's face is you ice down Coca-Cola in the little glass bottles, little short ones. Uh, they tend to smile when you hand them one. And so we have a Coca-Cola for every one of you. And so, so you feel free. It is for you. And so on your way out, if it's on the way to, to lunch in a few minutes or on the way home, whenever it's convenient for you, you go by and, and get your Coca-Cola and just visit a little bit. And, uh, and I know not everybody's easy to touch their heart and, and get them to smile. So we have something for you that are a little bit harder-hearted, a little crusted-hearted. And uh, we've got mini moon pies for you. And, uh, and, and, and that is M-A-N-Y. We have many of them, but we also they're mini, M-I-N-I. And, and uh, you can pick your flavor, and, and we'd love to do that. Are we going to have the booth set up? Okay, and, and while we have a smile on your face, uh, the, the little mick actually uh, transforms uh, into a photo booth. And so if, if you want a memory of your smile, you can just step right inside with whoever, yourself, a whole pack of you if you want to, and, uh, and you can walk away with a little postcard-sized photograph to uh, remember this great friends and family day at Winchester Church of Christ 2018. And so we would love uh, to just spend some time with you. We really uh, have looked forward to this time of Bible class. We look forward to worshiping with you after lunch, which we look forward to that too, by the way. And uh, thank you for all of you that have worked to prepare for that. And after lunch, at about 1230-ish, uh, give or take, whatever is, is most convenient for everyone. Uh, we'll come back in for another period of worship. And we're thankful that uh, Ben Coleman is, is with us. And are you a junior now? Uh, our our Freed Hardeman students, they, they come in with so many hours and they take so many hours 
you know how many years they've been there, but you, know what, you don't know what year they are in school. He's kind of a junior, I think, even though he hasn't really been there that long. And uh, he is a tremendous preacher. And uh, you're going to love opening up the Word of God and studying along with him uh, this afternoon. And so we're thankful that, that he's here and has invested his time in studying and preparation uh, to, to preach this afternoon. You know, as we think about <clears throat> Friends and Family Day, we're reminded that the most important things in life are not things. The most important things in life are relationships. Uh, you know, when, when you sit beside those that are dying, they don't ever talk about the best golf game they ever had. They don't ever talk about the biggest bass they ever caught, the biggest crop they ever raised. They don't ever talk about the, the neatest quilt they ever made. They don't ever talk about their salaries, how much they had in retirement. And I say that having myself sat beside many, many that were dying. But what they'll always talk about, they'll always talk about relationships. Uh, if they have their life and priorities set right, they'll always first talk about their relationship with God. They'll even talk about their family's relationship with God and what that means to them at that point in their life. They'll talk about their relationship with their family. Usually, naturally, they want their family close by. Why? Because it's at that point in our life that we tend to bring everything down to what is the very, very most important. With that in mind, I want you to think with me for just a moment. Are there ways that we could do relationships better? Are there ways that we could build stronger relationships and flip that same card over? Are there things that we can do to harm relationships? Well, surely all of us would quickly agree, absolutely. Uh, we've seen people that they, they seem to sabotage every relationship they're in. We've seen other people, they seem to grow and strengthen every relationship that they're in. And so then I ask you, where does that come from? Have you ever seen someone that, that they just seem to be so friendly and so nurturing and you say, they were just born that way? I'd suggest to you they're not. They're not just born that way. There, there are things that they have learned in their life where they have learned how to be wise, key word for this morning, they've learned to be wise in their relationship. And have you seen others that they seem to sabotage all the relationships and, and maybe you just say, well, that's the way they are. Well, maybe it is the way they are, but the reason they are that way is not because they were born that way. It's because they never learned to be wise in their relationship. Every day, you and I have the opportunity to pursue wisdom. It'll never be just the result of, well, you know, you're a good person. You'll just be wise. Wisdom is always the result of pursuit. You and I have the opportunity every day to pursue wisdom. We never achieve it once and maintain it. It's a pursuit every day. Or we have the opportunity to not give any thought to wisdom and live a life that's full of folly, a life that would incorporate a lot of shame. And so today, I, I want to go out on a limb and, and, and I want to share some things with you about this, this life of, uh, of, of wisdom and this life of foolishness. Um, I tell you what, let me, uh, let me flip through some introductory slides that what I may do is come back and mention these very quickly at, uh, as we start in just a few minutes in... How about this? What about a guest speaker that literally comes in and says to you, 
What if today on Friends and Family Day, we study 20 reasons why people don't like you? That doesn't seem very nice, does it? Uh, But what I want to do is, I want us to study a few passages out of Proverbs this morning. And they're verses that really are just a drop in the bucket to the entire passage of Proverbs, where you know that the entire passage of Proverbs is a book of wisdom. And it is written in short, pithy sayings. And they are thoughts about wisdom. But really what especially they are, is they are thoughts about wisdom that provoke more thoughts. And what I mean by that is, Proverbs is not a book that you want to just sit down and and you want to just begin reading and without any hesitation behind any verse, you just read the next verse, the next verse, the next verse, you get done with the chapter and say, I finished. Which, by the way, if you you don't already do this, you want to change your life, read a chapter of Proverbs every day of your life. 31 chapters, so it flows in real good with a month. Just read whatever day of the month it is. But read them slowly. And give thought to what is that saying? Because usually a proverb... You have to think through, what is that really saying? So so there's a thought there, but then it provokes thought. You'll find yourself saying, wow, you know, I experienced that very same thing last week, but I didn't handle it the way the wise man said to handle it. So what if, for example, what if everybody here said, this week I'm going to read a chapter of Proverbs and I'm going to apply it to my life this week. There's not a person here that your week would be the same at the end of this week than what it would be otherwise. Every one of us, our lives would be different if we applied the pursuit of wisdom to our life in every way. What difference does wisdom make? It makes all the difference. On the lighter side, I can give you a a little fun illustration with it. Uh, a, A barber was in the barber shop, cutting hair, conversing with the customers as he always does, and he looked out the window and he saw a young boy approaching his barber shop. And just before he got to the door, he, the, the barber blurted out. He said, guys, guys, you've got to watch this kid. He comes in every day. It's the dumbest kid in town. Watch this. Watch this. He'll do it again today. The young man walks in and he kindly greets all the customers. And while he's doing that, the barber turns around to the cash drawer and he pulls out in one hand two quarters and he pulls out a dollar bill in the other hand. And he turns to him and says, young man, young man, come over here. <clears throat> He said, which one will you take today? You want this hand or you want this hand? And the little boy reaches for the two quarters. He says, thank you, sir. And he tells everyone goodbye and walks out the door. And as soon as the door closed, the old barber says, see guys, dumbest kid in town. Dumbest kid in town. Every day he comes in and he takes two quarters over a dollar. How dumb can you be? Well, a little bit later, one of the customers finished with his haircut walked up toward town. And he saw the little boy sitting out in front of the ice cream shop licking on his ice cream cone. Curiosity got the best of him. He walked over to the little boy and he said, Son, you got to tell me something. Why would you every day choose the two quarters instead of the dollar? The little boy licking on the cone says, Sir, the minute I take the dollar, the game's over. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing how once you see wisdom in action, it's like this huge light bulb. Wow! That makes so much sense. Read 1 Kings, the third and fourth chapter, and see where God gave 
a miraculous measure of wisdom to a man that once he put that wisdom into action, he saved a baby's life and allowed the proper mother of that baby to raise that baby all because of his wisdom. And that's the man that wrote most of the book of Proverbs. And so when we think about individuals, us, for example, and we think about what can we do every day to strengthen relationships or what can we do to harm relationships, here's some things that we could keep in mind. Number one, uh, tw- think about 20 reasons people don't like us. By the way, we're only going to get through four or five and then close, and, and I can give you a list of these later if, if you'd like to study through more. Proverbs 18, chapter, verse 1, uh, the question is, are you a loner? A man who isolates himself seeks his own desires. He rages against all wise judgment. And so... Why is one reason that people might not like us? We might not be liked because we choose to isolate ourselves. And someone says, well, why would you choose to isolate yourself? Well, let's not answer that. Let's let the God of all wisdom answer that. God says there's some people that they isolate themselves, look that, because they seek their own desire. In other words, they're selfish. I know by nature some of us are introverts or extroverts. That's not what is being discussed here. What's being discussed here are individuals that decide They make a conscious decision to say, I don't want to be involved in other people's lives. I've learned in life that the more I pull away from other people, the less other people expect of me. The more I invest in relationships of others, the more they expect of me. And so, have you ever noticed that the more friends you have, in other words, you don't isolate yourself, you put yourself out there to be involved in relationships, you realize the more friends you have, the more times you get called to help move on Saturday morning? You ever notice that? The, the more, the more you, you find out, what, you want me to come to an anniversary party on Saturday afternoon at 4 o'clock during the ball game? You really want me to do that? You, you, you mean, like, last minute, you want us to keep your kids for a couple of hours? You know, the list can go on and on, and you say, why is this happening? It's because you've invested your life into others. You, you know how to avoid that. The way you avoid that is say, I want to be selfish. The less people I have in my life, The more I isolate myself, the more I get to do everything I want to do 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. And yet that very same person misses out on the things that matter the most in life, and that's relationships. And then they wonder why their life doesn't have deep meaning. And they wonder why they don't have deep, meaningful relationships. And the answer is very simple. The answer is you've isolated yourself. And people, as a general rule of thumb, do not like people that isolate themselves. That selfishness is not attractive. Number two, are you a bad listener? Proverbs 18.13 says, He who answers a matter before he hears it, it is folly and shame to him. Now, this is a powerful lesson for all of us to learn, but especially is it a powerful, important lesson for any of us who are in a, an authoritative role in life, if, if you're an elder, you really need to stop and ask yourself, do you listen to people before you answer them? If you're a supervisor at work, or maybe you are the employer at work, do you listen to people before you tell them what to do? If, You are a parent. Do you listen to people before you communicate with them? The challenge is, 
A lot of time, those that are in charge, they usually think they know the right answer. And so, too often, they feel like it would be a waste of time for me to really listen to you. What would be a better use of time is for me to tell you what you need to be doing, what you need to be thinking, how you need to be reacting or responding. But you know, even if it's not an issue of authority, we see it in just day-to-day experiences, right? I mean, like, we could literally go around the room and say, when's the last time? And a lot of you say, what happened yesterday? Or it happened this morning. You know those people that you're in conversation with them, and then you realize as you're telling them something that they're not listening to a word you're saying? Like, their mouth is like getting ready to to talk, and all they're doing is waiting for you to take a breath because they're about to tell you whatever's on your mind. And I know there's been times in my life, and I've gotten this close to doing it, I think I'm going to try it one of these days, but there's been times where I've been in conversations like that, and I realize the person's not listening to what I'm saying. They're just waiting for me to stop saying that. And I would love to just start talking gibberish and see if they catch on. I, I really don't think they would. There, there, there are a lot of people, they, they literally zone out anything the other person's saying, because all they're going to do is, is answer what they want to answer. Think about it. They're not answering you. They're answering what they want you to hear. It's real frustrating, and it really is harmful for relationships. Because what it's saying in relationships it's saying, I don't care about you. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care what's on your heart right now. I don't care what burden you're carrying. You're probably trying to tell me something that's really important to you. Listen, it's not important to me. So, whenever you stop talking, I'm not hearing the matter. I'm not listening. I'm just waiting for you to stop talking so I can tell you exactly what I want you to know. And then that person walks away saying, I don't know why people don't like me. You know, there's another supervisor in another department. Everybody likes them. Nobody likes me. <laughs> I wonder why. You had not listened to anybody in 10 years. I've wondered. I know from working with young people in America, uh, this is a huge problem. And, and when you talk to young people, they will regularly tell you, I just wish my parents would listen to me to understand what I'm really going through. You know, it's really easy to chew your, your, your child out for a bad grade. But have you listened to them to see why they feel like they experienced that bad grade? It, it, it's easy to get down on your, your, your child because they didn't perform a chore or an athletic event or whatever it is, what you think they've got the capability of doing. But have you really taken the time to listen to them to see really what's going on in their life? And so I, I, I wondered, is this an American thing? Or is this a... Uh, a natural part of being a human being. And so, one year when I was on a mission trip in El Salvador, uh, we had the opportunity to go in, which is very common down there, but we had the opportunity to go into the the public school system and and teach Bible while we were there. And so, I'm in front of uh, 16 and 17-year-olds, and uh, and they're just, you know, they're the most beautiful young people. They have such dark hair and beautiful complexion and beautiful dark, dark eyes, and they all come in, even though many of them may live on, on dirt floors, uh, they, they come in with starch white uniforms, and, and the, the tops are starch white, and the guys will be in navy blue pants, and the girls will be usually in navy skirts, and, and so, you know, it's, it's amazing, because you're in this dusty, dirty setting, and, and these children look out of place, because they're so neat, and, and, and all, and... <clears throat> And so, I'm before them, and, and so at one point, it just kind of comes to my mind, really, I was going to go 
with part of that in the lesson, but also, I was just curious. It's just straight up curiosity. And so, I said to them through a translator. And, and at this time, there's still introductory remarks going on and on. So they're just, they're grinning. They're smiling from ear to ear. And, uh, and, and you know, like literally like leaning forward a little bit. Like we were fully engaged. And, uh, and so I said to them, I said, I said, hey, how many of you feel like your parents don't understand you and you wish they would just stop and listen to you to understand what you're really going through in life? You know what they did? They all just grinned real big because it hadn't been translated yet. And, uh, and so then the translator, the translator starts translating that. And it was amazing to stand there and watch them hear that question. Because it, it was just like someone took an eraser and just wiped the smiles off their face. Immediately, when they recognized that the question was asking them about wishing their parents would understand, how many of you wish your parents would listen to you and understand you? I kid you not. The smiles went away immediately, and every hand, we're talking about 16, 17 years, every hand went up, straight up. And they started nodding. In relationships, we hunger to be heard. We hunger to be understood. And if you still have kids at home, I want to encourage you to never stop tucking them in bed at night. Don't ever stop going and sitting on the end of their bed and just listening. That's not the time to go into deep instruction, but it's the time just to listen. It's amazing how young people will open up more and more. I remember when my kids got to be about juniors in high school, and I had this, I had this sad reality that this old guy that had gotten used to going to bed at 10 o'clock at night, that wasn't when your kids would talk. But if you'd stay up to like 11 and 11.30, they would just open up. And they would start talking and talking and talking. I remember making a conscious decision. This is going to hurt. This is going to hurt really bad. But I believe for this phase in my life, I'd do better getting about an hour, an hour and a half less sleep every night. And try the best I can to be available. Did I achieve that perfectly? Absolutely not. But I'm saying to you, you and I have to make a conscious effort to be involved in the lives of those that we love. But it's not so we can always be telling them everything. It's so that we can be listening. You know, when you do marriage counseling, it's amazing how often one or both feels like the other never listens to me. I try to tell them over and over what I'm going through, and it's like talking to a wall. They will not understand what I'm going through. And so it's one thing to hear something. It's another thing to listen, to understand. And isn't it interesting that thousands of years ago, in the great book of Proverbs, that the wise man told us, those people that go through life, and they want to answer matters before they ever hear the person out, what did he say? It's folly, it's foolishness. And What else did he say? It's a shame. It's a shame to an individual that has so much arrogance that they don't think they need to listen to the people in their lives to offer what's best for them. Number three, are you quick to give an opinion? Proverbs 12 and 23 says, A prudent man conceals knowledge, but the heart of fools proclaims foolishness. Now, what is prudence? A prudent individual is one who looks down the future as they are making decisions 
And they seek to make decisions that is best or is wise for the long term. And so, notice here, the prudent person, the person that says, hey, I want to do things that it's going to help us next week, next month, next year. You know, when, when we make decisions at the moment, only for the moment, you know, it's almost like that immediate gratification. When we make short-term, immediate gratification type decisions, we usually make the wrong decisions. But when we, do, when we make decisions through prudence, we say, let, let me look down the road a little bit. What, what would really be best here? And notice what, what he says. He says a prudent person is going to look down the road and realize every day they're going to hear and see things that it's just best to consider. Have you ever seen individuals that maybe you're, you're saying something to them and then at the moment you're saying it to them, you, you think to yourself, oh me, this is so-and-so. He or she always tells everything they know. And so then, then your immediate response is, uh, you, you follow up and immediately say, hey, will you please not mention that to anyone? Please. Isn't that a shame if everybody knows that we don't have that kind of prudence in life? That we have the ability to conceal things? Now, he's not talking about concealing things here like, well, hey, all I want to do is just talk behind their back and I don't want them to know. He's not talking about that. But he's talking about the reality that there are so many things that we see and hear in life that if we repeat those, if we let others know about those things, it's not going to help anybody. Maybe we want to go and we want to talk to that individual about it. But it is no benefit to go and to proclaim it to everybody else. Now, I do not want you to misunderstand me. I am not suggesting, I am not suggesting by any stretch of the imagination that Social media created this. It didn't. We're, we're talking human nature here and whether or not we want to pursue wisdom or not. But what social media did was give a whole other avenue so that people can just throw things out there. And how many times have we been reading something on social media and we think to ourselves, they shouldn't be talking about that. that. That should not be out there right now. Well, why is it out there? Well, he says, notice the last part of verse 23 in the 12th chapter. A heart of fools proclaims foolishness. Uh, we'll see this even in another one that comes up later, but I'll go ahead and say it now. We ought to be such that someone does not have to say to us, hey, I know you saw me do that, or I know what it... Please don't mention that to anyone. We ought to be such that we don't mention it. Like we ought to be able to go through every day or every week throughout our life knowing I'm seeing or hearing things I'll go to my grave with. There is no reason to bring that up and hurt anyone over that. I'm not talking about things that need to be addressed. Things that we do need to bring up. We need to address. We're just talking about so many things in life that they need to be concealed. Now this one obviously is not in the book of Proverbs, but I couldn't help but uh, to include it on the list because it's such a powerful bit of wisdom in our relationships with others. And so we ask the question, are you argumentative? In Matthew, the fifth chapter, verse 9, we have the Beatitudes. And, of course, this is our Lord's teaching in His Sermon on the Mount. It says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. So when we think about whether or not we're wise, a part of wisdom, a great part of wisdom in relationship to others is what are we trying to make within that relationship. Notice the idea of peacemakers. And again, I go back to that line of thinking that is, 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 is such error. It's, it's so wrong. 
But you know, there, there's some people that they look at someone who has a peaceful life and they just say, that's just the way they are. They are so peaceful. Well, they weren't born that way. You realize the only way that someone has a peaceful pursuit in life is because they have decided to get up every day and pursue peace in their life. Let me give you an example. Uh, what, if, what if this piece of furniture right here, what if I told you nobody made that? It just happened. You know, they just, just built a church building. It just happened. That piece of furniture just showed up. Nobody ever made it. There's not a person in here that would believe that. Why? Because we know that this would require a furniture maker. You go into your kitchen, and, and, and what do you have? You have cabinets. They just showed up one day, didn't they? No. You had a cabinet maker. You have a family that experiences a lot of peace. They don't experience that peace just because, well, that's just the way they are. They experience that peace because within that family are peacemakers. Again, go back to the workplace. You may see one department at work that they seem to always have strife going on in their department. And you see another department at work, and they seem to always have a lot of peace. And we know the difference. We don't have to guess at it. We know the difference. The difference is, this department does not have peacemakers in it. This department has to have at least a few peacemakers in it. You can take circles of friends. You can take a circle of friends that they seem to always be at each other's throat. And you can take a circle of friends that they seem to always have a peaceful relationship with each other. What's the difference? The difference is one does not have peacemakers in them and the other does have peacemakers. You say, well, what, what's a peacemaker? A peacemaker is one that is willing to sacrifice self-will and even self-rights believing that the pursuit of peace is more important than the individual. Probably the quickest way for me to illustrate this so that all of us are on the same page and again, you know, it's, it's the beauty and power of wisdom where it's like that light bulb moment. Like, what if I say the words to you, road rage? We immediately know what road rage is, but how does it come about? Well, it usually comes about because two individuals want the same lane. And, and then you look at it and say, okay, whose right is it? How do you end road rage? You end road rage by being a peacemaker that says, hey, Right now, this is my right away, but I will give up my right right now. I'll put on my brakes, and I will give up my right right now, and I will let you have the lane. One was a peacemaker. Both experienced peace. And you can be the one that says, I'm not giving up my rights. And you can provoke greater rage on the road. Or, you can give up your rights and you can provoke greater peace. You see, peacemaking sounds like such a beautiful thing. But it really is aggravating sometimes to do it. It really is sacrificial to do it. Because usually when you're making peace, you're giving up something that's rightfully yours. And you're saying, in a pursuit of peace, I'll give up my way. How's it look in family relations? <clears throat> you know, doing a lot of premarital counseling through the years, and then some marital counseling through the years, I, I can't help but smile 
and at the same time feel empathy uh, for couples that they've been married their first year. You know, first year, but they haven't gone through the holidays yet. And so you know, you know that Thanksgiving is approaching. And like, oh boy, how's this going to go down? And so, you know, it may also be, depending on where they are in life, it also could be that they're kind of going through a lot of uh, transitions in life. It may be that they've moved to a new city, that they have new jobs, and they have limited time off. And, and so, a lot of times it'll go like this, you know, you got this young uh, bride and groom, they've been married seven months, and, and November is approaching, and they get their calendars out, and they say, wow, we, we, don't, we don't have much time off for, for Christmas and, and for Thanksgiving, and uh, we've we got to figure out when we're going to each house, and, and, and how we're doing this, and they live three hours apart, and, and how we're going to, and so... You know, they, hey, well, you, you call your mom, I, I'll call my mom, you know. And so one of them calls and says, hey, uh, mom, we, we're really having a challenge trying to be there for noon, Thanksgiving Day. Is, is there any way, like, could we show up maybe uh, two or three hours after that? Or like, what, what, what can we do there? And the mom says, you know that ever since you've been born, we've eaten Thanksgiving meal at noon. And if you're going to be a part of this family, you're going to be there Thanksgiving noon. We'll see you, honey. Hang up the phone. Oh, what, 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 what are we going to do? So the other picks up the phone and says, Mom, we're, we're having a challenge here trying to get to both locations at the same time. And Thanksgiving's coming up. And, and I know we've always eaten Thanksgiving at noon. Uh, Mom, is, what can you throw out there? What, what can we do? Honey, you know the most important part is us just being together. If you can't be here at Thanksgiving noon, tell us what time can you be here? We can, we can eat a, a real late lunch if you need to. We'll just tell everybody snack all morning and we'll eat at 4 o'clock. Is that, is that, does that work for you guys? We'll make it work, honey. Don't, don't be stressed about it. And hang up the phone and both look at each other and say, wow, we love her. What a relief that is. Peacemaking is real. And peacemaking makes all the difference in our lives. You can go to work tomorrow. And you can demand your rights and everything. Or you can go to work tomorrow as a servant. You can go to work saying, you know what? I'll give up some of my time right now to help you with something that really I don't have any responsibility to do. I'll go the extra mile for you. That's literally what the idea of extra mile is. I don't have a responsibility to do this for you. But I'll go the extra mile for you because I think it's going to make your life a little bit better. And I'm willing to do that. Listen, when, when relationships that we're involved in have several peacemakers a part of them, our life is totally, totally different. Blessed are the peacemakers. Who are they going to be called? They're going to be the children of God. They're the ones that's like God. It's really a blessing. Alright, uh, let me throw out another and then we're going to kind of breeze through some to get to the end here. Uh, in Proverbs, the 20th chapter, in verse 3, it is honorable for a man to stop striving. All right? Think about that. It is honorable for a man to stop striving. Now, there are other Proverbs that are written about how to avoid strife altogether. But notice, that's not what this proverb This proverb is, okay, you have found yourself now in the middle of strife. So, now you're in the middle of strife. The question is, are you going to continue feeding the fire? I'm not going to be the one to give up. I wasn't wrong to begin with. I'm not going to give in. Okay, or can you do the honorable thing that says, okay, 
we're in the midst of this strife right now. I didn't think at work we were ever going to get into this. I didn't think in my family. I didn't think in my marriage. I didn't think in my relationship with my parent-child relationship that I was ever going to get to this point. But I'm in it. So now what do I need to do? The honorable thing is to stop striving. Well, how do you do that? Any fool can start a quarrel. It's not hard to get at odds with others. But it really is tough. We have to put a stake in the ground for ourselves and say, I'm going to do the honorable thing. And I'm going to stop the strife. How do you stop it? You have to stop fueling it. You want to put a fire out? Stop the fuel going to the fire. Now we could talk about many aspects of this, but for right now, let's just talk about this standpoint. One of the things that stops fueling the fire is to simply be willing to own up to the part that you have done wrong. Hey, I realize I didn't handle this whole situation correctly. First thing I want to do is acknowledge that. And the second thing I want to do is I want to ask you to forgive me. Will you forgive me for what I've done wrong? Notice, you're not reporting all the wrong they've done. And you're not trying to take on their responsibility. I'll forgive you if you forgive me. We can't live each other's lives. But we can always be responsible for ourselves. And so can we do what we should do? If we took everybody that knows you, everybody that knows you, and this, hey, this, we're going to start right here on these toes, okay? This is a tough question. If we took everybody that knows you right now and we said, when's the last time they've asked you to forgive them? What would the answer be? Would someone say, just last week, they asked me to forgive them? Or would someone say, you know, two months ago, they asked me to forgive them? Could we ask all those people, you mean to tell me they've not asked you in your forgiveness in six months? Everybody's like, no. Here's what's strange. Do you realize everybody else knows you're not perfect? Everybody else knows that you've made mistakes in the last six months. Isn't it interesting that you might be the only one that thinks nobody else knows it? But trust me, everybody else knows that you're imperfect. And one of the best things we can do for ourselves is to bring ourselves into a humble enough position that we realize one of the best things we can do for others is we can admit when we're wrong and simply ask them to forgive us. Parents, if you haven't asked your children to forgive you for the times that you've made mistakes, you're a little bit off base in your parenting. Children, if you haven't asked your parents to forgive you in the times that you've made mistakes, you're a little bit off base in your childhood. Elders, if you haven't asked individuals, hey, we're sorry the way we handled that. We, we didn't get that one exactly right. Please forgive us. And for the workplace, if your idea is, I'm a supervisor, and if I, if I, if I tell them I'm sorry, I made it wrong, they're, they're not going to trust my leadership. You're crazy. If you will tell them you're sorry, they're going to follow you through any wall. They'll just ask which way you want us to run. Strong, real relationships are built by individuals who first know their own weaknesses and acknowledge them. All right, <clears throat> there are a lot of others here, really most of the book of Proverbs,
But I, w- I want to go to the last one and give you a close, not only because of the proverb itself, but mainly I want to give you a, um, a little application to this that's, that's really made a difference even in the way I perceive the power of the book of Proverbs. And I know it's, it starts a little bit lighthearted, but it's a true story, okay? My father is uh, he's one of the best, he is the best man I've ever known. Uh, we grew up on a farm. Uh, he grew up as a blue-collar worker in a local plant. He's been an elder of the church ever since I've been a teenager. And uh, I've, never, I've never seen him lose his temper. Uh, he's, one of the, he's one of the best men. He is the best man I have ever known. And um, he reads Proverbs every day. And so he can't talk about things without Proverbs just naturally coming out. You know, he doesn't, and in Proverbs 26, he doesn't do it that way. If, if you're just talking about something, he'll, be, he'll say, well, you know, Proverbs talks about the best way to handle that. It just, it just comes out. And I remember one, one day he was making announcements at church, and, and he made an announcement, and, and like, it just naturally came out. And I was a teenager, and my buddy leaned over to me and he said, I believe if we had a problem in this church with people not flushing the toilet, your dad would have a Proverbs for that. And so, so at, at lunch, at lunch I, I, I went home and, and I told dad that. And of course, everybody else laughed. You know what he did? Immediately, he said, well, sure, there's a Proverbs there. And he spit one out. And, and, so, uh, and so, knowing that, that how much my dad loves Proverbs, I need to tell you a second thing. Uh, my dad wakes up in the morning just feeling top of the morning. You know what I'm saying? Like when his feet hit the floor, he, he usually got up about 4.30, 4.45. And when his feet hit the floor, he thought everybody ought to feel like this. And, and so he'd walk through the house and you just hear it. It's loud. It'd echo through the whole house. And he'd go into the kitchen and he'd open up cabinets and you'd hear them slam. And, and, and he would go out the back door to go to the barn and you'd hear the door slam. And, and, you know, and, and then what was funny is the whole time, you'd hear mom saying, shh, Roy, you're going to wake up the whole house. And, and even when we had company, Dad was still loud. And, and so we all just knew that it, was, it, it just seemed like one of those things he wasn't aware of it. Like we would say, Dad, could you please be quiet? He would come in and wake me up in the mornings. And, and he would come in and like, you know, I'm a high schooler and I'm staying out late at night, not beyond curfew, but I'm staying out late at night. And of course, it's Saturday morning. He's getting me up at 6 o'clock in the morning. He let me sleep in till 6 on Saturday mornings. And we're about to go out to the farm. And, and, and he would come in. I've only been in bed like five and a half hours. And, and he's, he's, he's coming in. And, and uh, he's like, hey, son. He's flipping the light on. Hey, how'd the ball game go last night? Da, 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 all these guys. Like, dad, dad, can, can we please talk about this over breakfast? Please, you know. So one night, which this was really rare, mom and dad were out somewhere, and I was home alone. And I was about to go to bed, and so I was reading my Bible before I went to sleep. And I was reading the book of Proverbs. As a matter of fact, I was reading Proverbs 27. And it said, he who blesses his friend with a loud voice rising early in the morning, it'll be counted a curse to him. And I just couldn't believe it. I went back and read it again. I thought this is too good to be true. You know, this is before the days of cell phone and even before the days of answer machines. And you know, back in those days, you always had a central place in your house where you left notes to each other. Hey, gone, be back at whatever time or so-and-so called for you, please call them back. You know, we had that. So I immediately got up out of bed. And I went into the place we left notes, and I was like, Dad, you have to read Proverbs 27 and 14 before you go to bed tonight. Like, underline, circle. I went to, bl- went to bed, went to sleep. Next morning, quiet house. It was eerie. The morning after that, quiet house. 
The morning after that, after that, after that. For decades, our house has been quiet every morning. You can read a proverb, and you can figure out what the wisdom is, but it doesn't do any good unless you apply it. It's one thing to casually say, I live a life pursuing wisdom. It's another thing to go to the source of wisdom, God's holy word, and say, if this says it, I'll believe it, and I will live it. All of our relationships, family and friends, will be so much improved if we pursue wisdom as taught in the book of Proverbs. Thank you for the time of study.